What's in store for 24? Where is podcasting headed? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legit Podcast Pro. I'm your host, Gordon Firemark, the podcast lawyer, and today's episode is titled What's in Store for 2024, where we're going to dive into the evolving landscape of podcasting business and law in the coming year and get ready for some insightful forecasts and expert advice on how to navigate the challenges to come. So let's get started. All right, so what's in store for 2024? Well, here are a few of the projections I'm making, and I would welcome your thoughts. So feel free to give me a ring or an email or message me or post in the comments, whatever. 2024 is the year that many of those big, rich content deals that we heard about starting back in about 2021 are going to be expiring. So the question is, are those big guarantees going to continue or is this uh, the time has passed for that kind of thing? A lot of it will depend on whether or not uh, the studios, the studios, the platforms and the payors think that it's profitable or not. Um, obviously the big talent deals, those will continue, you know, the big talent is, is always going to attract an audience, but there's a big question about whether or not the big guarantees will, will, uh, be justified as profit or whether they're really going to be lost leaders in attracting audience to, uh, uh, for other reasons. And, you know, some of those big deals actually turned out to be kind of hot potatoes for the studios and, uh, not studios, networks and, uh, and platforms that were uh, funding them. So I think that a lot of smaller creators are going to start recognizing that being platform exclusive can be pretty limiting, especially when the platforms may not be as willing to pay as generously as they were in the past. Uh, things are maturing. The business is uh, starting to understand itself a little better, and and that's, uh, that's going to be reflected in the kinds of dollars that are changing hands as guarantees. Now, obviously, in success, everybody will, will benefit, but um, I think it'll be harder for uh, lesser talent, smaller shows, and uh, niche shows to command big guarantees, <coughs> excuse me, or advances on uh, on the shows that they create. Now, uh, consolidations and mergers of platforms and networks is another uh, ongoing story that I think we're going to be seeing a lot uh, as as these mergers happen or some platforms just start to disappear. We saw that happen with um, Stitcher earlier this year. Uh, and uh, I think we'll see more of that. And that can be both good and bad for creators. I think this is an opportunity for niche networks and independents to uh, – to stand apart from the crowd and uh, really focus their energy on attracting and serving niche audiences. Will it be good for audiences? Well, if you can find the kind of content that you want in one place, I think that's great, um, as long as that content continues to be there. But as these uh, platforms and services get bigger and bigger and bigger, it's going to be harder for audiences to find what they're looking for within those platforms, unless the platforms do a really, really good job uh, of uh, recommendation engines and and promoting uh, discoverability. <clears throat> now, uh, another thing I think is going to be big in this new year, and it's already been big in 2023, is video podcasting and live streaming. I think it's going to present some new challenges as well as some new opportunities. I think the recording tools are going to move uh, further toward video first 
uh, for both uh, pre-recorded podcasting as well as live streaming. Live stream workflows may, in the beginning, lower content quality, at least until folks figure out how to do more of the uh, preparation, editing, and creativity on the front end so that the live stream comes out feeling very produced and, and complete. I think shorter form podcasts are going to proliferate as the live stream becomes more popular. But the real question is, are audiences willing to subscribe for these kinds of new formats of shows? Or are they going to depend more heavily on algorithm recommendation to find new content? And uh, again, that may depend on the platform as well. Uh, one thing we know is that platforms, especially YouTube, disfavor baked-in advertising in uh, the content that they distribute. Now, that's long been a staple of the audio podcast monetization strategy. So it wouldn't surprise me to find that uh, um, fewer video-first shows are monetized that way. It also wouldn't surprise me to find that some of the free and low-fee media hosting companies in the podcasting space start to take a similar approach of saying no baked in ads. We're going to do programmatic. We'll share the revenue fine, but this is how we're going to pay for things. Now, this also depends on whether the audiences appreciate the uh, programmatic approach or do they prefer uh, baked in ads. I think there's something to be said for the effectiveness of a host read baked in advertisement where the host is um, is essentially sort of endorsing the the product or service or whatever. And I think time will tell on that. But uh, I, for the moment, I think we'll see um, a, a leaning into programmatic and away from um, the baked-in host-read material until and unless we see some statistics uh, saying that the host-read is really much better. Um, other things on the legal front, cameras everywhere – well, that can mean privacy concerns start to get uh, bigger in the foreground of our of our thinking about the legal side of things. So we want to be thoughtful and mindful about that. And copyright issues, as we bring more and more uh, other material, B-roll content, still images, sets and costumes and and things like that into our uh, our frame, we have to think more about who owns that stuff. Are we infringing any copyrights? Infringing any trademarks and things like. Like that, uh, music is another ongoing issue. Uh, people want to use music in their show. Um, things as YouTube is becoming a, a more important platform in the podcasting space. I think the content ID system is going to see us experiencing more um, copyright strikes and takedowns uh, for material, um, especially on shows where they've previously gotten away with smaller amounts of taking. Uh, once you post your thing on YouTube, that content ID system is automated. It's going to be uh, flagging that stuff pretty pretty quickly. Um, another area that happens with video that doesn't happen so much in the audio space is defamation uh, that arises out of a juxtaposition of certain imagery, or sometimes it's called false light invasion of privacy, where you might have a juxtaposition of a you're talking about shoplifting and you you uh, cut to a still or a video of a person walking through a mall carrying a shopping bag. Well, that person isn't a shoplifter, but the implication by that juxtaposition might be that he or she is. So we're going to have to watch out for some of those kinds of things. And I think the tide is going to shift away from the argument that everything is fair use. Um, I think the findings after the Warhol Foundation versus Goldsmith case and the Bad Spaniels trademark ruling, um, I think these findings that these were not fair use um, 
are going to trickle into the podcasting and video spaces over the next year or two. And I think we'll see uh, some pushback against the idea of, of fair use in that arena. Time will tell. But most importantly, I think we are right in the middle of a, a real crisis. And um, I, I call it the death of trust. There's been a lot in the podcasting, in the YouTube space, and and the larger media, mainstream media as well, a lot of false and unsubstantiated and, and misleading claims. They've been on the rise for the past, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years now, really. But it's gotten to a tipping point with the uh, the uh, add-on of, of AI and uh, really nobody trusts anything anymore, really. Um with AI tools that are hallucinating phony answers to questions, but they present it in an authoritative authoritative way. Partisan election-related claims, I think we're going to see an exponential increase in that, and they're going to be harder and harder to fact-check. Deepfake content is becoming indistinguishable from the real, and so did so-and-so really say those things? Are they really in that compromising position that the photo or the video seems to show them in? We, we're, you know, who do we trust? How do we take that on faith anymore? And there's a real lack of genuine media literacy among the the consuming public and they're just not very skeptical everybody is sort of listening in their own little echo chamber of tell me what i want to hear don't challenge my worldview nobody bothers to bring a skeptical eye to or ear to what they're seeing and hearing and nobody is really listening to alternative points of view so i think this year it being an election year in particular is going to be really tricky and i think it it uh, it argues for those of us who care about media who are um uh, serious about media to bring a, a kind of ethicality to it ethics and morals and responsibility and uh at least, you know, I think we can stand out by being ethical and responsible, presenting balanced points of view, multiple points of view, or at least being honest and transparent when we're presenting our personal point of view. Um, and uh, so I want to at least pray and hope that that more creators uh, on at all levels of media are uh, taking a more um, honest point of view and, and, and approach with some real integrity to things. Uh, I think this year we're going to see more regulatory crackdown on false and misleading ad content. Uh, the FTC here in the United States uh, has taken notice of some podcasters and, and other social media influencers, and I think it's just a matter of time before we start to see really even more um, uh, attention from the regulators on especially things like uh, uh, affiliate advertising and uh, um, false endorsements. I think pay-to-play podcasting is going to uh, come under a spotlight this year as well. Um, I'm, I'm speculating, of course, but I think that's what's going to happen. And AI. Well, we can't not talk about AI in the context of what's coming for 2024. In the podcasting space, uh, AI is becoming more and more uh, of a tool that we're using and we have uh, a lot to thank AI for, but we also have a lot to blame AI for. Um, but before we get into that, I'll just say you know, on the ingestion side, there, there's a lot of litigation happening right now. <coughs> I think the uh, lawsuits in the AI space are going to continue to proliferate. I think we've got more uh, just this week. We saw the New York Times has filed suit against OpenAI and Microsoft. 
Um, and, uh, you know, the question really is, well, if there is copyright infringement going on, and I personally believe that in order to train these large language models, they had to ingest all that material. That That is fundamentally a kind of copying. Is it fair use? I don't think so. But what's the remedy? You know, do we, do we want to um, just stick to money damage kinds of remedies? But that really isn't going to be very satisfying, especially because uh, a lot of these tools are not generating profit. So I'll tell you that uh, uh, New York Times Action is actually seeking a court order for the destruction of the data sets used to train uh, OpenAI's tools. That could be catastrophic for the AI industry, at least in the short term. Certainly devastating in, in the short term for those of us that use these things because all of a sudden – uh, answers to our questions won't be there anymore uh, because the data is gone. Uh, and if these companies have to go out and, and license the data, generate the data themselves or whatever, it's going to become a slower process, which many of us, I think, probably believe that's a good thing. But uh, it will, you know, we've, we've, we've come to depend on this very quickly. Um, I think another remedy that might be um, uh, asked for is that these systems be built to disclose the source material behind what they're what they're uh, outputting, and that would give us some uh, some sense of where things are coming from. On the output side, when you ask an AI for a script or or a piece of artwork or uh, an outline for something, we have to use these tools uh, carefully and wisely because, as I said earlier, they do hallucinate. Sometimes what they create isn't true, and that could lead to liability if you utter those words and they turn out to be false. If you um, um, uh, if you uh, promote a false idea, misleading idea, uh, you could end up on the wrong side of that regulatory work that I was talking about. There have been a number of uh, cases of defamation arising out of an AI tool, uh, conflating two people with very similar names and saying that the person in Florida is is actually guilty of the crimes that the person in Nebraska committed or those kinds of things. So use these tools carefully at your peril. You can't uh, you can't always trust everything at face value. You've got to do your own fact-checking and so on. You also can't claim what AI tools create. Um, the Copyright Office and the Patent Office here in the U.S. have uh, declared very forcefully that in order to be entitled to the protection that these constitutionally mandated uh, um, legal protections uh, offer – uh, the the creator, the author, or the inventor must be human. So only human-generated content is entitled to the protection of copyright and patent law. Uh, it should be noted that China has made a slightly different ruling on that just recently. So on the world front, the international front, we're going to have to see some reconciliation of these kinds of things as well. I think 2024 may be the year when we start to see other countries weighing in, and perhaps the EU will get involved, and perhaps... Um, uh, other organizations of nations will will get involved as well. But, you know, look, I think that um, audiences really crave the human factor. So no matter whether you're using AI to generate stuff or to as uh, the launch launch pad that you use, uh, I think that you, you have to add your own personal touch. You have to add value to the AI generated material. I think also AI has the risk of sort of homogenizing all the content. If it's all coming through these large language models, then at some point, um, unless you're really, really skilled and talented at the, at crafting the prompts and 
honestly, I think that's going to be a marketable skill as we move forward. But I think that the, the systems will put out a lot of sort of very similar sounding, feeling, tasting, smelling content. And that uh, probably isn't good in the long run and, and audiences will lose interest in that pretty quickly. Um, another area, AI-driven translations and transcriptions and also ad removal. Well, the, a lot of questions here about just where where are the boundaries? What's legal and what's not? Um, on uh, the on the talent side, there are consent questions. You know, the the big strikes this last summer over uh, actors and writers in the Hollywood industries. Uh, one of the things that they were upset about is the use of AI technology. And SAG-AFTRA, the the uh, union of of professional actors. Uh, negotiated for and received uh, resolutions requiring that uh, talent consent be given anytime an actor's performance is simulated using an AI in film or television. I think that we can expect to see very similar treatment of uh, talent in podcasting, particularly in the scripted arena, but also as we get into um, the newsreader environment and the um, uh, uh, the unscripted, uh, as well as fiction stuff. Anyway, uh, copyright issues in, uh, when we start talking about translations, well, a translation is in fact a copy of the original work that's being translated. And if that is not done with the owner's consent, then it amounts to copyright infringement. So translating from, uh, translating my podcast into another language requires my consent. There's somewhat less clarity about a pure transcription because if it's just copying down the words that I spoke, then I don't know that that act itself is um, is necessarily an infringement, but I think you are essentially making a copy in a new medium, and that would be copyright infringement. There's also a question of the, the misrepresentation of the integrity of the original work, the the uh, film industry, we talk about the moral rights of authors. It's not something that the U.S. law is very good at recognizing, but many places around the world recognize these uh, sort of rights of the paternity, <coughs> the right to claim the 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 uh, origin of the work and the integrity of the work and so on. When we have machines doing this translation, you know, uh, who's vouching for the, uh, the quality of that translation work? And... Um, uh, so there's a claim under uh, sort of a variation of trademark law, unfair competition law, called false designation of origin that has been used a few times in the past in, in situations where work was modified without the consent of the author, even when copyright wouldn't have uh, been a successful claim. But the big one that I've noticed recently, about a, about a, a decade ago, uh, there were some startups that that aimed at sanitizing motion picture content. Uh, they were trying to get rid of the the uh, swear words and sexual content and so on so that uh, the audiences that didn't want to see that could could still watch the movie and, and, and appreciate and enjoy it. Well, the big studios, four big movie studios, sued these companies and ultimately ended up basically winning a um, um, a settlement uh, after a, a large dollar amount uh, – Award. There was a settlement that these companies agreed not to use any content from the big four studios. 
and uh, and there's that. Well, last month, a startup in the podcast space announced that it's going to be stripping ads from podcasts. It's going to use its player. Apparently, you start while you're listening to a show, and it'll grab the the file from the stream and and strip out those ads. And uh, uh, the folks from um, uh, Pod News uh, reached out to them and said, well, what about a podcaster who wants to opt out? And they said, we're not going to offer that. Why should we? We're not causing any harm. Well, they claim they're not causing any harm, but I'll tell you, if their technology does what it promises, I think it could wind up costing creators and networks and platforms revenue as advertisers might lose faith that the statistics they rely on are accurate because, hey, if you're not hearing my ads, why am I paying for it to be in your, sure, you have you know, 10,000 downloads, but if 2000 of those aren't actually ever hearing my ad, well, why am I paying for it? I think that if these companies intercept a feed and they make changes to it, that that is copyright infringement. It's an unauthorized derivative work. The, the, the performance is derivative and it's been made with changes. Uh, so I think these companies could find themselves in some hot water, but I think it's going to take a lawsuit or maybe several lawsuits before we really know how this is going to turn out. And, uh, and I think that's probably one of the very most significant bits of law that we'll be watching in 2024 and beyond. So those are my predictions. I would love to hear from you about yours and, um, let me know if you've, uh, spotted a story or an idea or a topic that you think I haven't covered that will be big in 2024. Drop a note in the comments, shoot me an email, find me on social media, all of those things. G Firemark is the best way to find me on most social media and uh, let me know what you think. Um, but that's going to be a wrap for today's episode of the legit podcast pro. We have looked through the evolving landscape of podcasting in 2024 from the uncertainties in the content deals, the challenges and opportunities in video podcasting and live streaming, the increasing influence of AI and, uh, you know, that death of trust that I was talking about, not to mention the regulatory changes that are going to shape our industry as we move forward. Now, remember, the world of podcasting is dynamic, it's ever-changing, and staying informed, adaptable, and legally savvy is key to your success. So whether you're a veteran in the space or just starting, I hope today's insights empower you to navigate these waters with confidence and creativity. I'm Gordon Firemark, the podcast lawyer, thanking you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to stay updated on all things podcasting, and if you found value in this episode, please share it with your fellow podcasters. As always, stay passionate, stay informed, and stay legit. Until next time, keep those mics hot and your content strong. Thanks for being here.